it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Right, hello and welcome back to the LET Golf Podcast with me, George Cooper, Nicola Kenton, and this week's guest, we've got Germany's Leonie Harm. Leo, how are you doing? Hey, doing all right. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining us. We're, we're happy the season's back started. So, so yeah, thanks for coming, coming to join us. Uh, how have you been? Uh, it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, not gonna lie. Golf uh, definitely has um, a rough left hook or whatever you want to call it uh, every now and then. So the season didn't go quite as smoothly as I anticipated, but we're trending. So there's room for hope. Absolutely. And I know we had this big break and you're out in the States. Just sort of how would you recap your time out there? Um, the States is a little different. Obviously, you kind of, yeah, to each their own, like you kind of more on your own, it's less of a community. Like I played some events on the Epson tour, which like was nice to, to bridge the, ga- um, the gap that the LET had um, to just kind of stay competing. But uh, I'm really happy to be back because just the tournaments are just organized so much nicer and it's just good to see some familiar faces. I'm sure if I was like, out on the Epson for longer, I would probably uh, feel more at home there also. But it's just for now, it's just not not my kind of cup of tea. But where would you say your game's at at the moment? I'm not sure. If you find out, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. I had yeah. I had some health problems early in the season that were just really unexpected because I just had some allergic reaction to some prescribed like medicine, and then my body was just completely tossed off its rhythm um because if you're just not feeling healthy and comfortable in your own skin it's really hard to swing a golf club so i really struggled like i actually made a shank with my driver in cape town that's never happened to me before and i'm just like wow that's just hard to forget about that like to stand on a tee box and not think about that so i spend a lot of time trying to train my selective memory get back to like give my body the time it needed to like fully get all that stuff um out of its system and um i'm hoping problems are fixed as much as they ever can be but i'm feeling better like hitting the ball now it's just unfortunately and i don't really know where this is coming from if it's like from just switching too much between Bermuda and normal greens. I mean, normal, I guess normal is always in the eye of the beholder, but um, I'm just not making putts as much as I got comfortable with the last two years on tour. And that's a real deal breaker. It's just really hard to get a good score on the scorecard if you just don't make anything that's longer than four feet. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's relatable, but I rather struggle with putting then standing on a tee box and not knowing if like I'm going to miss it 60 yards right or 80 yards left. So I think this is a good, a better problem to have-ish, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. But obviously, uh, we saw you in Belgium and you obviously had a had a good result, top 20. Um, so just talk to us about, about that week and, and where the game, where the game's at now. Um, so Belgium was obviously a, a good like step in the right direction because I haven't played weekend golf in a minute, which is not a great thing in our line of work. You want to work on weekends, <laughs> but the course really like suited my eyes because there was like no like tree lines or anything except like one hole, or whatever. But like it's kind of a little bit linksy style wise, I would say. Just not po- no pot bunkers, but like just kind of you can hit it low and let it roll and it's a bit of wind. And so 
it kind of takes you a little bit out of that okay you got to hit perfect golf shots and become a little more creative with what you can do with the golf ball like shape it or like do whatever and react to whatever situation you got going on on hand and um, I really enjoy that type of golf that's like my favorite because I do think golf is not science it's art so I felt really comfortable on the golf course I felt comfortable being back in Europe after six 15 16 weeks away and so I mean tournament was just really set up super nicely and everything I don't know just felt pretty good being back home ish like home like away from home in Belgium it's not that far from Germany so actually closer to my home than the Germany event is to where I live but that's just a side note um yeah so just a lot of things that put me back into my comfort zone and I haven't been in that in a while yeah good to hear I was gonna say maybe that explains why it was uh, such a good German showing yeah. Patricia obviously getting the win oh wow that was incredible yeah yeah what did you think I know we saw you there on the 18th and you were as pleased as anyone yeah it was exciting to see because Patricia is so she's actually from my region in Germany um and she's not that different like she's a little bit older than me but not significantly so we kind of want to say grew up together but I like we never met like our paths never cross even though we both played like junior golf around the same time in the same region so it's just incredible for her to like in her rookie season clinch that first win like I'm so happy for her that's so exciting and I mean she hits it miles I mean Chiara does too but I feel like that was two paired together. We're probably just like sending it. I was like playing ahead of them and I'm not hitting it particularly far right now. And I just look back every now and I'm like, damn, it must be nice to have like a wedge into the screen. I have like a seven iron, but I mean, so yeah, um, a really, really great hitter. And I've never actually played with her. So I can't attest to much other areas, many other areas of her game, but I'm sure it must work pretty well because otherwise the score wouldn't have been there. Um, so yeah, just exciting for German golf to have another tour winner after Olivia and Chiara won last year. And you were just talking then about the fact that obviously your paths didn't cross when in the early stages of your golf, despite being in the same part of Germany. But we'll talk now about how you did get into golf. So what age were you when you started with, with this game that you love to hate to love? That is such a good description. It's such a love-hate relationship. And everyone who claims they only love golf, they're a liar. Don't believe, like, don't trust these people. They're lying. I have an older brother who's four years older than me. And so when he was, like, young, but, like, like I wasn't born yet, um, my parents were like, damn, it would be so nice to have a sport that we could all do together as a family. So a few of my dad's colleagues played golf and really enjoyed it. So they were like, oh, let's pick up golf. So they tried it out, and they loved it, absolutely loved it. And... My mom actually was like seven or eight months pregnant with me when she got her, I don't even know what the English term is, but like her permission to play on the course, like her like handicap, I guess, or whatever. So I guess I played golf before I was even born. <laughs> yeah, so I was just outvoted. Like I never really was asked whether or not I wanted. It's not like I was violently forced or anything, but I was always just tagging along with them which was in my early years, not ideal because there wasn't just too many young girls in the club that I started playing golf at. So I was really bored. So I started selling golf balls on the 13th tee. Like it was a big lake on the 12th. And so I picked the balls out of the lake and sold them on the 13th tee. And it was a pretty good business. Like it was selling some like 50 cents a ball or something. It was a really new ball. I got it for like a euro. I was making, making big bang back then. And so then... 
my dad, who I guess saw that I had some talent for golf or whatever, was like, Leo, you know that if you don't tax your income, like you're going to go to jail. That's fraud. Because my dad is a tax counselor. You probably have to add that. So it was like his way of making me scared to do it, to get caught or whatever. And so I started practicing golf again when I was on the golf course. I, I wonder where I would be now if I just made that business grow <laughs> larger and larger. I don't know. But yeah, so I was very tall already, very young. So by the time I was like 11 or 12 years old, I've already been this height. So I just hit the ball really far, really early in my life. Um, I don't hit it far anymore. That's a bit devastating, but it is what it is. So in all these junior categories, I used to just do really well because of my distance advantage that I had. And it's just nice to be good at something. It's just nice to win or succeed or whatever your goals are. Yeah, so that became kind of an addiction to golf in a way like okay because you're never gonna be able to get your full potential out of it like you're just always more like you can always work on stuff you can always get better you can always play better there's not a single round of golf you'll ever play where you're like oh i don't know how to save a shot now like you'll you'll always be able to squeeze out more even in your best form and that becomes really addicting because you want to get the best you could do right like how rewarding is it if you even just have like one really really solid round you're like damn like want more of that and what are some of your earliest memories do you remember like the first competition you ever took part in yes I do remember that it was like just this like open junior tournament I think it was like open from like there's just different I was was a golf club that I only played on once like I don't even know I don't even remember the name of the club but there was this one guy that back in the days I really don't know how old he was back then must be like 12 or 11 or 12 something like that and he was really really good for his like age class as a guy so he won the the gross rankings like in that tournament the gross competition and so the announcer said oh he gets like more gross points than we do net points and I was like damn how's that even possible but now I'm like yeah you just shoot on the part it's pretty easy like uh, but back then I was like so like flabbergasted by by how this like 11 or 12 year old kid like did that and then fun fact so he was actually from Golf Club St. Leon Road which was like this really big 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 golf club back then there's this massive name at the time I've never been there and then fast forward in time he actually became teammates with my brother because we did transfer to the Golf Club St. Leon Road which is actually also where I'm sitting right now um living and being based out of and they definitely had a huge part in developing me as a junior golfer and even now it's still my home base and I just love being here in the summer more than in the winter because it does get a little depressing because of the German weather being super nasty uh, in the winter months so I do prefer to spend it somewhere sunnier but um, (laughs) besides that I just absolutely love everything they do to support um junior golfers in germany i was gonna say the i was gonna ask about the junior golf scene in germany knowing that you moved to that club um yeah what were the decisions that you kind of made when you were like okay we're gonna go here that's a great question so my brother had a lot of potential as a junior golfer but we always felt like in the club we started playing that he just wasn't taken all that seriously and he wasn't supported quite as much as he could have because we were never in any state federation whatever so we just wanted to see kind of expand our horizon like okay what are the options because my parents were like well we at least want our daughter to 
get the best possible support system. And we started taking some lessons with a coach at Golf Club San Road. And this was 15 years ago. And he's still my coach to this day. Um, that was like a match made in heaven, like on like a swing level like he just understood my golf swing and never changed it significantly like if I look at a swing video for me when I was 10 it's probably still about the same as it is now like he just used my fundamentals and like tried to optimize them and that's what I really enjoyed about him because I've always like I've never had like health issues or whatever due to my golf swing which I think is a big bonus for like a good swing coach a lot of them just try to squeeze you into that box of okay that's what a perfect golf swing is supposed to look like but you're not supposed to swing a perfect swing you're supposed to swing your swing yeah so I started taking lessons with him and I was like hey like listen we have this under 14 team and Caroline was actually the best player at the time under 14 in that club Caroline Lump so she was like one of those like idols I would like look up to I was like damn I could be on a team with her like how cool would that be but actually as I then committed to the club to be on a team of Caroline to have like that idol be part like in my team she was promoted to the under 18 team early I'm like you guys lied to me but I got over it like I did meet Caroline after all it was fine well she was just that good that she would you know be promoted to the bigger league uh yeah so funny you, you're prompting all our questions here Leah. <laughs> you mentioned uh caroline uh, as someone kind of looked up to who what other heroes did you have whether they were in golf or other sports when you were growing up to add on to the caroline one also sophia popov is also from my like now home club um she was definitely one of my big role models just in that branch of um, women's golf really really cool person really really cool player and then my older brother's always been a role model for me because he's just so smart and wise and even at the youngest age like he would just know the answers would feels like he knows the answers to everything like to this day if I have a really important decision I always call my brother because I tend to make emotional decisions and but if it's an important decision I don't want it just based on emotion so I like explain my brother the situation and he's like okay this would be the correct thing to do like okay thanks <laughs> so that's definitely been a big rock in my system and then my parents were obviously incredible but I do like to look at other sports too to like kind of see like great athletes because at the end of the day competitive sports is all about just performing when the pressure is the highest and I don't know like growing up well staying in golf like definitely like Roy McIlroy but if I had like a childhood other sports hero this is embarrassing but right now if that counts for anything I definitely admire like Lewis Hamilton being really really great under pressure and just that his mindset George has another section at the end where we can. But when you were doing golf and obviously moving to St. Leon Rock, was it kind of always your goal to be a professional golfer? Or was it what 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 was your goal in life? What career did you want if you couldn't sell golf balls? Um, I never wanted to turn pro. Like never once in my life. And everyone's like, oh yeah, when are you going to turn pro? I was like, never. This is not going to happen. I actually left the national team because I was like, I'm not turning pro. And that was kind of a requirement to be on the national team to want to turn pro because it's like all for the Olympics or whatever. But then I realized that real life is really hard too. So I decided to chicken out a little bit and try that golf thing. I, I really wanted to go into research like medical research, uh, can cancer to be precise. When it, I, I don't know if it was like always like that, but 
by the time like you're kind of trying to pick your career path, you decide what you want to study. My mom was diagnosed with cancer. And before that, like her mom already passed of cancer and then her mom already passed of cancer. So it's kind of just one of those, I mean, reoccurring problems, I guess, in our society anyway. And but as a young child or like as a teenager, you just feel like that's a little unfair, you know, having to face these problems. And my mom's type of cancer was very rare. And so there was not a lot of research in that precise type of cancer. Like it was breast cancer at first, but it was like a very aggressive and rare type. So the pharmaceutical like companies, they don't really invest much money into that research because they, well, we can't really sell that many drugs because there's just not that many people having it. And I felt like that was so unfair. Like what the heck? It's my mom, like someone, someone do something. And um, that kind of sparked that, oh, I want to change the system. I'm going to save the world, whatever. Spoiler alert, it's not that easy. <laughs> there really, I mean, there's obviously reasons like you have to invest funding where it has the biggest impact. And if you like, I mean, sure, it's all the business anyway. But yeah, I did actually move forward studying biochemistry and biophysics um, at the University of Houston, which was a really cool experience being able to use a golf scholarship to essentially get it all paid and have that experience of playing collegiate golf while studying on a degree I was really interested in so it was really a cool phase of my my life and then they were like yeah like you should apply for jobs and I was like no <laughs> I just I don't I don't know how and I don't want to so I was like you know what I'll, I'll play Q school I'll try playing golf and yeah and then like so I graduated in December 2019 and then played Q school in January, which was really nice because the LAT usually did Q school in December, but that specific year in 2020, it was in January, it was postponed. So it worked perfectly. It was like kind of meant to be like, this is a sign. So I, um, I played and eh, I got kind of decent status. It wasn't like the best status I could have gotten, but it was like good enough to get into a handful of events. Little did we know that there was only a handful of events anyway. Um, and then yeah, that's kind of how how professional golf started for me. So yeah, obviously, we know that you did go into a lab during the time where we didn't have that many events to go forward. You did use, put, put on a lab coat, some goggles, you know, do some bits and bobs in a science lab during COVID. Um, tell us a, about that. And as you say, a taste of the real world, but kind of made you go, Okay, yeah, yeah, not not ready for this yet. Um, yeah, so the COVID pandemic obviously hit um, in, what was that, March, April of 2020. And there was just, like, we just didn't know how long it was going to take. Um, so, I mean, essentially, it was just going to be two weeks, right? I mean, it's still just been two weeks. And then, as, and then once the two weeks passed, I was like, mm, this seems like it's going to take more than two weeks. And um, so I, I moved back in with my dad at home. Like, I love my dad, but I just wasn't in that home in a very long time. And I have not really, I, it just didn't feel like home anymore, especially like without my mom being in it and stuff. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I can't sit here like all day. This, this just can't be like, what, what useful stuff could I do? And I'm like, you know what? You got this biochemistry degree. They're doing a bunch of research right now. It's maybe helpful if you just offer your 
new services. And so I applied for an internship just to be like a lab assistant in vaccine development. But I mean, it's not like I really did anything crazy, uh, inventive or whatever. I just ran a lot of tests and did a, did a bunch of busy work just trying to trying to help where I can. And uh, it was a cool experience. It really was. I felt very well valued for just the little stuff I did. But it's quite nice to be your own boss, actually. <laughs> Not having... And it's exhausting, like, mentally, too. Like, you think golf's exhausting mentally, and it definitely is. But it's just also draining to to work in a research lab, like, even if you're just doing the busy work. And yeah, I don't know. I was like, you know what? I'm in my 20s. I kind of don't see my life going in that direction just yet. I'm not saying never, but I just enjoy the freedom of being a professional athlete. And pretty much my main job is to keep my body in like the healthiest physical and mental condition. So that definitely is quite nice to have that as your main job. versus you're kind of sitting in a lab all day and then you have to take care of being healthy or whatever. I have a lot of respect for the people that do that. Like shout out to everyone. Y'all are the real warriors. I'm not. <laughs> I'm doing one thing at a time. I'm focusing on one thing and that's, uh, yeah, that's that. And was it kind of helpful the fact that you hadn't finished your degree like that long ago had you been doing stuff in the labs during your degree I know it's a different kind of thing but was it kind of easier to go into that environment because it wasn't too far away from what you had been doing yeah I mean you definitely learn like different methods like on the go as in every job like nobody really comes into a job and already knows everything but like just the basic like lab procedures and stuff and like how you're supposed to act in a lab and like how to run tests and whatever and like the general like principles of of the thing uh, was sure to have like good to have it in my fresher memory but I don't I'm not too concerned to like let some time grow over this but I do probably have to get like go back and study some more to really make an impact in like when it comes to like being a researcher like as in like me actually running the tests uh, like uh, designing the experiments and stuff versus uh me just ex- executing some data testing whatever and data collecting and sorting and all that um so yeah it's i don't but it, to me like what was a good thing is to do it early in a sense of okay i know i did make the right choice for myself that i actually do enjoy being a professional golfer more right now at this current time than i would have enjoyed going straight into that other job that I did kind of have lined up for me in a sense like that was going to be my career so it was just good to have that confirmation early on because like you don't want to do stuff half-hearted ever in life I think and then we're gonna scroll back how many years ago now nine years nine ten years I just did the math because this is Gem Boys and Girls right and the first time I played the Gem Boys and Girls was 12 years ago as madness i feel so old and you're younger than me (laughs) is she younger than you yeah she's younger than me she's the same age as my sister as i say scroll back a scroll back a little bit of time and we'll go back to yeah exactly pretty much a decade ago when you were out running doing your morning run at five in the morning leo's spoken about this before 
with us on many an occasion, but we'll talk about it on the podcast now. For so for those listeners, for those listeners who don't know, can you explain what happened? Yeah, ten years ago. So I at the time I already transferred to the golf club Saglian Road, but I still live in Stuttgart, which is like an hour fifteen um, away from each other. So it was just after school there was just really no time. We were just immediately drive whatever. Anyway, long story short, I would do my cardio before school. Um, so I would run out in the mornings. So this one morning I crossed the street and this driver hit me. It was, I, I don't remember it happening. Luckily, I think um, I've never made it to my long-term memory. Yeah, like I was looking, apparently I was like, according to witnesses, I was looking both ways, but still like stepped on the street. And then the driver couldn't react because she like still had alcohol in her blood from previous night. So that definitely like killed all the reactions she could have had. And so it was kind of one of those wrong place, wrong time, wrong person, wrong whatever. But things went went for the better because I, so she hit me with like 70 kilometers an hour, which is like 45 miles an hour. And usually you're pretty dead after that. Um, that's kind of not a thing that you walk away from. But I fell in front of the feet, the feet of like, um, yeah, military, like German military paramedic like or like she was in training or i don't even like she definitely was the correct person in the correct time in this yeah in this like in this uh, incident and um she was incredible like making sure my brain wouldn't shut off because it was bleeding out of both ears so it definitely looked messy and i mean i'm i'm gonna just go out on a limb here and speak for everybody like if someone falls in front of your feet bleeding out of both ears like i wouldn't know what to do at all like I, I did first aid classes but i just wouldn't know how to react and i probably would be in shock but she did react so quickly and made sure the damage to my brain would be as as little as possible minor hiccups here and there no just kidding <laughs> but anyway essentially i um survived spoiler alert and yeah even without major lasting injuries so after like seven weeks after that I was back to playing golf and just kind of lived my life 2013 which is the year that it happened and was not my greatest season yeah in the in the greatest scheme of things um it definitely worked out quite all right and uh yeah you said to me before that the first thing you said when you woke up yeah so um they when when the actual paramedic put me into like they brought me to this hospital and I was put in a, a coma I don't remember the whole waking up phase because it's kind of like a lengthy process over like multiple days but the first thing I do remember saying was like asking my dad if I'll be able to play in the German girls which was like back then my favorite tournament of the year and they were like the first weekend of June but this happened May 3rd so like this would have been just a month and my dad's like hmm see let's um have that conversation some other time like <laughs> he just didn't want to like immediately break my heart you know what I mean but I was like oh, I don't, I don't, it was a bit ambitious and I mean the thing is I did make it there like on crutches to like watch them play and support and I was even there at, like the opening ceremony just to like show some spirit and whatever but but yeah that's kind of what it meant for me back then it really was I was really looking forward to that event in particular but like just competing in junior golf was just a cool thing and in terms of obviously returning to golf course so i know as you said seven weeks later you're kind of pretty much back 
chapter back on the golf course at least and doing some kind of um playing and competing etc but as you said you didn't kind of have any long lasting injuries from it there wasn't a massive amount of kind of you know retraining that you had to do you had to do to an extent but not considering the accident you were very lucky with what you you had I think the biggest thing, which sounds like a small thing, but um, so my petrous bone fractured, which fractured my ear canal, which imploded my right inner ear. So um, that whole balance system and everything like kind of got, I mean, I'm not saying I've ever been a very coordinated person, but that didn't help. Um, and it's essentially like sooner or later, your brain like adjusts to everything, I think. But I mean... Yeah, um, that's definitely been a, a tricky one. Uh, but besides that, I mean, in the greater scheme of things, I, c- I could very well have died. And I mean, so I think complaining about the balance being a little off would be very weird. <laughs> and what was that process like of getting back on the golf course, obviously? Well, the fact that when you wake up, the first thing you want to do is get back on the golf course <laughs> kind, of, kind of indicates what kind of person you are. Well, the thing is, I never felt any pain because I don't remember like the pain I must have felt when that's and actually happened because it never made it into my memory. And then you don't feel anything when you're in a coma, or at least you don't remember it. And um, by the time I did wake up, I was probably really full of painkillers. There's never, um, never had any pain essentially. And then, um, they gave me a bunch of painkillers at home to like take and I just didn't because I was like, eh, whatever. So by the time, because I got, had a surgery on my ankle, so I had this like orthopedic boot and it looked like I would trip chewing gum or something. Like I like looked nothing like I was just run over by a car. And then once that boot was off day, I just went back to practicing and everyone was like, Leo, what are you doing? What are you doing? You can't. Like, but like, I can't. Like, what's gonna happen? It's golf. It's not like I'm, I don't know, playing American football or anything. Like, what's gonna happen? It's not like my brain's gonna explode or so. And then, so everyone was very skeptical. And uh, I don't know. For me, immediately, like the first round I played, being back, I competed against my brother, which was a really serious competition because it's against your sibling. And I actually, shot an even par. Pretty cool. Like, just your first round back and. Uh, it was like in good spirits um, but every tournament then I played that year was like I would do like one or two really stupid holes and I didn't do these stupid holes because I was injured I did the stupid holes because I did something stupid on these holes and everyone was like it's fine you had your accident like, this has nothing to do with it <laughs> let me be mad about this A that I just made because I tried to do something whatever and yes yeah, so it took a while to connect my the team around me with me again in the sense of like okay what is my body actually capable of doing and what are things that shouldn't shouldn't be attempted to be done um i did like on an international stage i only played essentially the british girls that year and i had to withdraw because the wind and everything like just infected my ear that ear that was imploded or whatever and had the biggest ear infection and like all this disgusting like soggy stuff and like worst pain i had an ear surgery and that got really messy but in the greatest scheme of things my transition back to competitive golf was relatively smoothly and then i would say like by the time 2014 rolled around i was actually really on like my 
competitive high again and made the most of my junior career. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I was looking up about your 2015 year in particular was like, was amazing. And I was like, wait, that was only two years after the accident. Like, it was like, that's so impressive. But yeah, I know you had some highlights. You played obviously in the Ping Junior Solheim Cup. And I was looking at some of the names in that. It was some, you know, loads of LET players playing in that. So just talk to us about that, that, that uh, week in particular. Yeah, the Junior Solheim Cup was awesome because it wasn't on my home golf club. And obviously, so it was like my main goal to qualify for that. And I was on road or like, it was a realistic thing to, for me to do. And then my national team coach called me, who was vice captain, Sebastian Rule was like vice captain that year. And he's like, Leo, I just read the regulations and um, you committed to go to college in August 2015. So you won't be eligible to play in junior Solheim Cup. I was like, what? And you said what? And he's like, yeah, like, because even though you would be 17 by the time you leave, like you wouldn't be considered a junior due to like USGA regulations being a collegiate player. I'm like, okay, that's messed up. But luckily, my college coach was like super understanding and his wife, Stacey Lewis, actually played on the American side on the professional team. So he was like, Leo, this is like the biggest thing because it's in your home golf club. Um, no worries. Just come a semester late. You'll be fine. So I decommitted for a semester. Like I made that choice to have like an extra semester, like semester at home. But I wasn't even qualified for the junior time cup yet. So that was a lot of pressure. But I did essentially, yeah, manage it, I guess. I won the German girls that year, which was one of the qualifying events for the tournament. It was basically my best shot because it was like on my home golf club. So it was really cool. And by that time I would not, like I knew, okay, like I'll be on the team more likely than not. And um, so I was just really looking forward to that week and I was so excited. And I mean, my club made it like the best experience and they were amazing about it. and all the schools around had that day off with the single match, like the day of the single matches, they had that day off. And then like all the kids that have never been on a golf course, like walk with me to like be spectators. I've never played with that many spectators, like ever again. It felt like thousands of people. I don't even really know how many it was, but it was a lot. I played awful. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I put so much pressure on myself wanting to succeed. It was such a hassle to get there and there was so much expect so many expectations and I don't know, it was just for whatever reason I just didn't really do that well, lost all my matches and like we lost as Europe against the United States. Um but it didn't even really matter because it's more more about the event, I guess, and being part of like growing junior like girls golf um globally. And it's just an amazing opportunity to then like go on and watch the Solheim Cup like the actual thing even though that wasn't the desired outcome I <laughs> that was tragic but like being part of that meeting a lot of really cool people um and just yeah closing your junior career out like that is probably the best ending you can ask for yeah it doesn't get much better than that does it and then you're off to the states I mean firstly like why did you pick Houston so there's a long story and there's a short story <laughs> the long story I mean I've like roughly so by the time like I had my car accident just before my junior year in high school would have started so my like that first signing period that would have been like a thing for me like I wasn't on the map for global golf so all the like really really traditionally great schools they were like yeah we don't know about this one so by the time I was actually looking into colleges which was like a lot later than 
other people would have. Um, there just wasn't a crazy amount of options left. But I did look at some and Houston just felt the most like home for me. And it was the most of like what I wanted to do because they had a brand new women's golf program at the time. And that's just really cool to kind of create your own legacy, like to help jumpstart a program, like take it on, like be be a part of like growing something new. And then I like the idea of Houston being a big city. So kind of just you're not isolated on a college campus and it's not like everyone knows everyone kind of vibe like you're more anonymous in a big city which i liked weather is pretty good year round i our coach is amazing like he was really like a replacement parent um for the time in college and people underestimate that like juniors of any one looking at college right now is listening to this there's nothing more important than how well you get along with your coach because if you like if that's not a vibe your time there is going to be miserable. And then plus, because I would have been such a key part to that program, they also allowed me to study whatever I wanted. And I wanted that biochemistry degree more than I wanted to play competitive golf. So that was a huge factor for me because I would have gone to like, like a really elite, like academic school in a sense, but also elite golf school. They would have been like, hey, you can do like a biochemistry degree and be on the golf team. That just doesn't, it doesn't work. But my coach really helped make it work for me like he flew me into tournaments late I could was able to skip practices like I didn't even have to qualify most of the time because like I had class like I just had a different class schedule than everyone else and so that was all just really awesome anyway go to Houston everyone go kooks yeah absolutely I was going to ask that how did you balance doing the two but I mean you just had some of it but it seems like it would I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start, but just how was it? Like, was it was it much of a challenge or, you know, I know you, you just said you got some exemptions here and there, but just talk to us about the challenge of balancing golf and studying. Um, yeah, you definitely have to be okay with your mind, like time management. Like you can't procrastinate on your assignments and do everything last minute or whatever. I do think your golf practice also becomes more efficient because when I was a junior, I was like, oh, I'll be out here all day, like, it doesn't matter. I can just waste four hours of my time doing something completely unnecessary. That's not really going to make me better. But now you like only have these three hours a day and you have to do the best you can to like get something out of it because otherwise like why show up at all. Right. And um, that make, really makes you think, okay, what are the things that do make me better? And I think that has really helped me now in my professional career because at the end of the day, it's all about efficiency. We like, with as little effort as possible, trying to get the most out of it, I guess. And um, I guess if it was good for nothing else, at least we got that going. And you said about, I mean, even at that point, you were still like being a professional golfer, perhaps wasn't the goal at that point. And I know then 2018, you win the British Ladies Amateur Championship. How much of a trigger point was that for then you going, okay, I'm going to be a professional golfer now? Or was it more going back to just, oh no, I don't want to be working? Like, (laughs) surely that was like a big, the big thing for you that was like, and all the benefits that went with that, I mean, playing in all the majors. So the funniest thing in full transparency, the funniest thing, the guy I dated at the time. So he came to watch me play at the NCAA nationals in Oklahoma state at that May, I think it was uh, May, 2018. And at that time I haven't really won 
an event in years. So anyway, he kind of gets a grasp of like what golf's really about, professional golf, and how much money you can technically make with golf, right? I mean, on paper at least. And he's like, oh, you should really try and be professional golfer. And I was like, no, I just really don't think I have it in me. And then so he kept like trying to convince me to not like throw it away. And he was like, you know what, let's make a bet. Like, like how many events would you need to win in this next year for you to like feel convinced you should try golf and I was like I mean let me say if I if I win four events in the next year like knowing I haven't won in like three and a half years anything it's like yeah that's not gonna happen like this was just to like you know keep him at bay and then I started winning the German international and which I've won before in 2015 but just never since and then my swing coach was like oh hey I'm glad you remembered winning again it's like, oh, yeah, right. And then so he's like, yeah, now just go win the British Am. I'm like, haha, you funny. And then I won the British Am <laughs> like the following week or like two weeks later or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. And then I won like a few college events. So just to come like actually do my part on that bet, I did have to turn professional then. <laughs> I guess it wasn't really it wasn't really my choice anymore. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean I would have would have not if I would have still hated it. But funny enough, because I was going to quit competitive golf in 2019, like after my college career was over, I wanted that last semester to like kind of be the best semester. And um, so we had this basketball player at our university who was just really, really good under pressure. Like he was this guy, you wanted to have the ball in his hands if the game was tied, like with zero point nothing seconds left, right? Like he would get that foul at points or whatever you know so I became friends ish we had like a little bit of a mutually like taking advantage of situation going on um to like have him kind of like teach me his ways to like how he excels under pressure and that was also a big piece of me feeling more comfortable competing at like the highest level because it just changed my perspective on it because I used to dislike having the pressure on my shoulders playing for a team all the time where it's like, okay, like everyone looks up to you. And if you play bad, like you're ruining everyone's day or week or whatever, just kind of changing your perspective on that really helped me being like, okay, no, maybe, maybe I do actually enjoy performing under pressure. Absolutely. So <laughs> the ex-boyfriend and the basketball player, then basically were the, <laughs> were the two most important people <laughs> to getting you on yeah. to golf. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you want to say it like that, um, to, to, to help me make that decision, yeah. For sure. And then what about the opportunities that that afforded you winning it? I mean, you got to play, obviously, in the majors. You got to play in the, the Women's Open, US Open. Like, how fun a year was that? So I played absolutely awful in both. Um, it was quite crazy. So the British Open were really, like, that same summer. And we played Lillems and Ants. And I played practice rounds there. And I was like, you know what? If, like, two rounds go really well for me like I'll probably shoot about even out here right and I'm a good links golfer like a decent links golf at least like links golf is kind of my thing I was like yeah I'll I'll shoot an even and the cut was at like even or one over or whatever I mean fact check that but like it was like mad good and I'm like damn like I didn't even see myself like be in that league and I remember I was like yeah Leo but like you weren't in a good like form and those are the best players in the world. Like, what did you expect? That you'll just trip into making a cut at a major? Like, what's... It's like, yeah, that was that was really cocky of me to believe that I would just 
out of nowhere. So a very humbling experience for sure. It, um, I mean, my decision was kind of already made at the time that I would want to, not not for the British Open, but before the US Open, but like kind of was a bit of a humbling experience. Like, okay, if no, but you do have to dive into a different level. Being an elite amateur and being an elite professional are two different things. Definitely a cool experience to be around this, like these really great golfers and just watch them do their thing. And then got you ready for the LET. I can't believe we're almost an hour into this podcast and we haven't mentioned the LET yet. We are the LET Golf Podcast. Like, so we should probably we should probably move on to that, I think, Leo. So yeah, I mean you touched on it earlier, Q school. Firstly, what are your memories from from that and, and you know how much of a challenge is it and just what are your memories from the two weeks and then moving on, just what was it like as a as a rookie on the LET and, and how was your first year on tour? Q school sucks. Like having to play Q school is awful. There's no no sugar coated version about it. I hate it. Like when you are there, you know, you never want to go back. Like, you know, you just have to do this now because like you just don't ever want to be in that position again to having to play this again. Because it's like all comes down to one week. Like luckily I was exempt like to the final stage already because I stayed amateur all the way until Q school. So I had that top ranking in the world and then just immediately like top, I think top 20 or something or top. 25 qualified immediately like for um final stage so that at least saved me the trouble of having like a really long two weeks where you have to play so many rounds of golf um but yeah then it's just throw everything you got in there and um at that time i didn't compete in a while because i wasn't eligible anymore in that fall previously for college golf so i haven't competed since the summer and then suddenly it's like all right all or nothing good luck Luckily, I had a cool friend of mine on the back who kind of kept me in the moment and it really helped to apply the questionable golf I had at the time <laughs> efficiently. And then there was different categories back then. It was like top five and then top 20 and then everyone else. And I was like tied 20th and I had to be in some playoff and then I didn't make birdie in that first playoff hole. And so at the end of that Q school, I actually didn't really have a great category. And then so I was kind of like, mm, am I even doing this? Is this even worth it? But uh, essentially, it turned out to not really be a problem because that same year, like only the only a handful of events happened anyway. And other than Scottish and British, I got into everything uh, with the category that I had. And then early in 2021 which was kind of my rookie year B because I just put them both together. Um, I started really well into the season in South Africa, finishing second. And they had this category where it's like, all right, inside of the top, I think top 20 of the current season, order of merit, something like that. The best ranked get like exempt into pretty much any tournament. So suddenly I had this struggle of being into too many events from playing almost nothing like the year and a, a year and a half up to then to like suddenly playing everything i'm like oh damn like now i had to balance like how much energy do i invest into every tournament to still have something in my tank and i failed miserably miserably like halfway through that season was completely burned out and nothing left but you have to go through that experience to like really make sure you know how much you can and cannot do I think that was probably like from a professional golf standpoint, the biggest learning experience I had to go through because more often than not, less is more. All these tournaments we have, they're so top heavy. 
like in money and points that doesn't really like finishing 50th doesn't do anything like sure okay you played the weekend it's maybe good for your confidence whatever but you want to have these top 10 top fives because that's where the points are at and now there's two different approaches a lot of people are like oh the more i play the more opportunities i have to catch a really good week to finish top five and that was kind of my thinking going in like through that year too but it actually turns out the more i play the worse my chance is because i get tired and then my golf kind of falls apart a little bit and i need to really focus on the individual week and i can't just accidentally peak perform i wish i could it would be nice but that's not how it works for me at least and so i really had to emphasize rest and recovery and season planning and traveling and how much preparation do you need and how do you structure that and all these things and yeah i mean i guess it's a good problem to have though because i guess i'd rather have too many playing options than being on the other side of things where it's like oh i don't get into tournaments or even worse you're like you are on the line and it's like oh i don't know if i'm going to get into this week and then it's like you have to wait all the way till closing deadline to then book your trips super short notice but then you like maybe could have got like it, it could get so messy it's really hard and um yeah, so I don't want to complain about the problems I have. They're good problems. And you mentioned there then taking breaks and the importance of weeks off. A week like this week where you have opted to to sit it out, what 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 do you get up to? And you know, is it a case of more practice or rest? Or talk to us about that balance. So we had a thirty-six hole US Open qualifying on Monday, so that was freaking exhausting. <laughs> so I took off yesterday. I was like, I'm not touching a club. I'm not going to the gym. None of that. Um, and usually I. Like in my weeks that I have like practice weeks, I do get a workout in, I get a cardio session in, and then I fill the rest up with golf and social interactions if there's any. Feels good to to be in your own apartment, sleep in your own bed, kind of have this like more peaceful setting around you rather than like hopping from hotel to Airbnb to hotel to a friend's place to whatever. And then just seeing my swing coach is a big one. Um, actually, when I came back from the Florida event, saw my swing coach for the first time in a long time, and he was like, "What the heck are you doing? Like, you've never done this before." And I mean, this is fifteen years; I've never done it. He's like, uh, "Let's try and restructure this whole thing," and it it worked, I guess. But um, so just kind of having familiar people have your support system around you, because unfortunately, my budget isn't quite high enough to fly them around with me. I wish yeah that so it's always good to like kind of go back to your default setting and try to keep yourself grounded or get yourself grounded again yeah for sure is there anything then in particular that you are working on i know you said about your putting but what is it you're working on right now so much swing i'm trying to emphasize like my weight shift better um so with my i struggled like with my driver along the beginning of the season so i had this feeling that helped my driver but I just applied it to everything I had in my bag. And then suddenly I would really hit my irons like crap. And I was like, okay, I don't know why. Turns out in my backswing, I shifted my weight to my left, but then I'm trying to shift it further left in my through swing. And that's just a lot of left shifting. That's not really a good thing. So just focusing on these things always helps me because it's not like I'm not a person who can like think of like an individual like club facing whatever I need to like think in bigger patterns 
and then like let my subconscious sort it out for me if that makes any sense yeah for sure and then one final one for me then before nicola picks your brains about f1 and all that good stuff we're obviously joining you this week on the eve of the monday german masters you had a great finish last year coming second just talk to us about that week and how much it would mean to, to have another good week there um, playing in Germany is always cool. I don't know for whatever reason it's always been like even amateur like international amateur tournament in Germany always been my favorite and um that was my first time teeing it up as a professional in Germany last year, so that was super cool. I love the golf course, completely suits my eye. And I was really positively surprised how many people came out and watched, which was incredible because we're quite far outside of Berlin. So I was like, who's even living here? And like a lot of people went through the hassle of getting out there to watch women's golf, which I think is like the greatest thing. So that's just exciting and being like kind of like a home favorite in a sense, like just having fans on your side, having them be excited or like disappointed for you, like when whatever happens just makes everything mean more and just kind of gives you like, damn, like I'm doing this. Like, it's essentially the same thing you do every week, but it just feels like it means more because you kind of just do it for, like, you feel like you represent Germany a little bit more at home than you do when you're on the road. Not saying that, like, I mean, I've always obviously represent Germany, but you guys get what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, this year, obviously coming off a rough start to the season, coming back to a golf course that I like is a great opportunity to turn the season around. And I really hope I can capitalize on that. I'm not trying to put too many expectations into this week because that's kind of usually the killer of joy. Um, and it's it's a gettable golf course. It's scorable. At least that's how they set it up last year. And obviously, I'm trying to hope, create as many birdie opportunities as possible and really, uh, yeah, try to put my best performance forward but at the end of the day can't force a score onto the scorecard we always find that out one way or another right but um yeah that would just be a very very cool week to have a good week and yeah no it was as you say so many people came out on sunday last year in germany the crowds that we had in those last few groups and as we mentioned at the start there are so many german girls doing well on tour this year so hopefully we'll have another big crowd (laughs) again this week at the weekend yeah, that would be awesome. And last year, you said one of my favorite things, and it was picked up on commentary. Oh, uh, no, what did I say? <laughs> which, <laughs> which was when I spoke to you on the Sunday, obviously, we were waiting for the last few groups to finish. And you went, it's a good week. I've seen you every day. <laughs> Always a good thing when you want to talk to us. Like, that. that's good news. Yeah. But speaking about different people on tour, who are some of your friends on tour and how do you make friends on tour? Obviously, it's one of those where you've seen people and played with people growing up in the amateur circuit and junior circuit, but then obviously professional circuit, you might have seen people that you haven't seen in a few years. Um, yeah. Who are your friends on tour? I always feel at a lot of events, I feel like I see new faces everywhere, um, which is a good thing, you know, just having fields mixed up and everything. I would say, I don't even know, like my biggest overlap from amateur golf probably plays on the Epson tour by now. This is just a lot from college that just stay in the United States to play on Epson, which good for them. But yeah, on the on the LET, I feel like it's a great mix between maybe some more experienced players who just love competing in Europe and then like the young guns who just come out and I like 
super fired up and I think it's a real good like overall atmosphere so I do feel comfortable around like everyone honestly there's literally not a single person I've been asked this before it's like oh like is there anyone you don't want to play with I'm like no I don't maybe I'm the person that nobody wants to play with I don't know I mean but I really enjoy um, the overall atmosphere we have and I feel like I get along with everyone obviously you have like you're closer to some people than others, but um, I really enjoy that. There's just no bad blood. Um, so Helen Kreutzer is um, a German. Now she's in her second season. Yeah, um, we actually didn't cross paths in junior golf at all. Uh, we just met in 2020 at some point. I told her one of my random dating stories, and then she's like, "Oh, we're friends." So that's kind of not how that happened, but like I guess. And so definitely love spending time with her playing practice rounds or whatever and then uh chloe frankish like my from my rookie season on like 21 we spent a lot of time together and um so she really matters a lot to me and yeah then in general just i don't know i mean you're just very friendly with the people that you spend a lot of time with there's obviously people you like play more with or like just because of how the tea sheets line up or whatever so yeah it's obviously with a favor towards um german speaking people too because it's just nice to be in a different country and be able to speak your own language so like even like emma spitz who's austrian and we we roomed at the junior salon cup we roomed together to make that circle complete so it's really cool to have her out and and i mean to do her thing so that's really cool to see i think that's as specific of an answer as i can give <laughs> <laughs> lots of names there and as we we've mentioned it several times but yeah f1 when did you become an f1 fan have you always watched the sport uh not always but when i was younger so around like 2011 12 kind of that area like sebastian federal was like really good i don't know if you guys know but he is really good yeah. <laughs> and he is pretty much like from the southwest of germany which is where i'm from well like where i live now it's like very close and so that was just so cool to obviously formula one matters a lot in germany because of i mean obvious reasons so it's just all around you like you don't really have to put a lot of effort into following it but i just so i mean as a young girl you kind of like yeah sure go fettle like it's not like i really understood what was going on or the rivalries or whatever i was just happy kind of watching like the start and the finish of the race i was like oh fettle won again yay <laughs> that kind of stuff and then I mean, his era, like when he went to Ferrari, like, yeah, I mean, it kind of cooled off a little bit. Hamilton started being great, but I didn't really understand the ins and outs of things. So I kind of lost interest a little bit. And I also went to the States, which back then it was almost impossible to follow F1 in the States. And like, I cared, but not cared. It didn't care to the point of like, okay, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning to like watch a race and then go to workouts up. Actually, we probably wear it. I mean, whatever. Always hmm? <laughs> well, I mean, now I do it too, like when I'm in the States. But yeah, I became, then when I came back from the States, back to Germany, I was like, because then in the States, I became like the biggest college basketball fan, but that's almost impossible to follow in Germany because then now that's super late at night and I go to bed super early because I'm an old lady. Um, so I'm like, okay, wait, oh, like Formula One, like let's, like what's happening now? So then in 2020, I kind of like, dug back into the ins and outs and now with social media you feel like you really know the drivers like you don't but like you'll feel like you really know the drivers and I love when I like talk to someone who's not that into Formula One about like oh yeah and Lewis and Daniel and Lando and whatever and they're like Leo you sound like you're like friends with them I wish 
someone please but yeah so that's just a really cool sport for me to watch because you really it's just 20 people so you really feel like you you know them and you can really build like a fan relationship with them rather than like having these sports where there's a hundred a thousand whatever people competing anyway so yeah no the 2021 season jesus i think that was just a lot of emotions so now i'm i'm still trying to recover honestly like i'm still not over it i'm really not but the last like last year was not that interesting i guess i mean it was like throughout like the races were interesting and stuff but it was the championships wasn't went like as nail biting and it was a good cooling off period but i do hope that soon we'll have an interesting championship again but not as controversial as it was in 21 yeah, does that make any it sense it does i was at q school when that happened so i could not watch it properly <laughs> oh no 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 you don't understand let me tell you let me take you down this memory lane real quick because i don't know like okay biggest lewis hamilton fan sitting right here and i had a burnout that season i was really really tired i didn't want to play the last three events on the let which were saudi saudi and then spain and then i was like you know what i'm gonna play them and whatever money i make in saudi 100 percent of that is going to go towards a vacation like just to take my mind off to just and if it's no money then i'm going to tend in the woods and if it's by, I don't know, $100,000, then I'm going to have like this crazy luxurious trip, whatever. So it ended up being like 5000 or whatever. So that's a decent amount of money for a vacation, right? So I booked this trip to Mauritius. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be amazing. I did think about going to Abu Dhabi to the Grand Prix. But I was like, you know, I, I'm an introvert, so I'm not going to enjoy the crowd. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch the race in Mauritius. This is going to be incredible. Well, Guess who falsely tested positive for COVID-19 with her exit test to go to Mauritius. So I didn't go to Mauritius. So I'm sitting in quarantine that entire week leading up to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix Championship. And I'm like, okay, this is perfect. Like you can see every bit of coverage leading up to this race. So starting Friday morning, I saw everything and the review of everything and every expert's opinion. I watched everything i was just in front because what else are you going to do in quarantine like you cannot leave your house so like i was just in front of the tv for three days straight and essentially it leads to this race and i'm sitting there and i'm like okay this is going well this is going well this is going well and i was fully prepared to be really happy that this whole year led up to this and then i mean the people who know know what happened and I, I mean, that just, I really think this, I don't, I don't know if there's a getting over that. Like it was worse than like a heartbreak. I don't know. It was just like your fundamental belief into regulations of sports. Cause it was like, essentially they made a call to make it more entertaining, but like you cannot just change the rules to make it more entertaining. Like if someone's leading a major championship by eight shots, they're not going to be like, oh, by the way, like you have to play this hole with your 60 degree now to make it more interesting because people otherwise want, like that just made no sense it was really weird and and i was just I, I felt betrayed i probably wasn't the only one who felt that and like just being in this situation isolated at home alone in front of the tv that was probably the lowest point of my life i'm not gonna lie like i was already depressed going into it and it was just didn't help 
it really didn't it could have helped it had the potential to help but it then just made everything worse that's i thought i had it bad right i was i was in the i was in the netherlands when that race was on and i was in a bar and it was just all dutch max verstappen fans everywhere and then for the whole race like they obviously knew lewis was going to win so the whole no everyone stopped watching and they were like just like in their groups having beer whatever chilling and then like obviously it all changed and then suddenly, like, everyone's up on their feet cheering for Max. And I was like, what is, what is, I'm like the only English, British guy in there. And I was like, what is happening? And then he wins. And they're like ringing the bell, like beers on the house. And I was like, I don't know what, what is, what is going on. I like don't that. want this none of ridiculous. those beers. No, <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. So, but that might be as a, as a F1 fan, that might be worse for you. So. Yeah. It was just also because my, like, my, I didn't actually have COVID. Like, but I still, like, I, it was just a false positive, but like, it was in the system now, so I couldn't, like, they were like checking on me, like, actually staying home. Like, just the fact, I felt like the universe was just against me, really. And I dragged Lewis into this. I mean, I'm sorry, bro. But uh, <laughs> F1 is not the only sport that you watch. As you've mentioned, you've watched a lot before, but I know you also have friends who are badminton players and from other sports as well that you kind of they play golf <laughs> they come out with you and do different things so yeah talk me through your your friendship with them and again different sports that you can learn off of different people um so yeah the badminton players that's like through a mutual like connection um that I got to meet them which is really incredible they're super cool athletes and I don't know how much you know about badminton but I didn't know a thing before I met them and now I'm super into it they're i mean they play mostly in asian countries last last year was quite wild because we like we played in madrid and they played in madrid the week before and then like we played in bangkok and they played in bangkok the week before but it just never overlapped enough to like you know we could have watched each other compete but anyway so they i guess their life is relatively similar to us and then yet completely different and it's just really cool to kind of draw parallels and like See, see into a different sport from like that outside perspective but you can like draw from your personal experiences and kind of make comparisons and especially when it comes to like season planning and travel planning and stuff like that I think it's a really cool cool way to to look at okay what do other people do out of yeah what, what other athletes do that sounds better and yeah I mean specifically there's like this men's double badminton pair that I'm good friends with and one of them is also a very good golfer the other one's just starting and just getting into it but we'll we'll get him there and it, yeah it, it's just it's just really cool in general to be able to spend time with them watch them do their thing and vice versa them like following me me playing golf what I really loved about college too like being a collegiate athlete is that you do have other athletes around you back in college one of my best friends was a Canadian long jumper for him it was actually the wildest thing this guy's the wildest person he was like Canadian national champion like back to back I think two back I don't even know and so he was gonna go to the Olympics in Japan in 2020 and that was like his whole thing and he was gonna turn pro right before the Olympics to then like once he's qualified to then have like the best deals and to like because as a track and field athlete like you need sponsors who you don't really get money from just competing so that was his plan and he dedicated his whole life to this and this was like a thing but then COVID happened and in Canada I don't know how you guys know this but in Canada everything shut down like to the point where he was wasn't even like even as like the number one Canadian long jumper he was not allowed to long jump on track freaking outside like I don't understand what the point of that is but 
they do them. So that was obviously awful. But then he picked up roller skate and is now a globally known roller skater. Shout out real quick. If you ever want to see like an artistic roller skater, go Jared. Like just being able to pick the brains of someone who's that like athletic and skilled and just crazy, but like in a good way was it's just a really cool, cool thing. Never Love that. From long jumping to rollerblading for. No, I don't really know that transition either. But I mean, it wouldn't be me. Like, I, with my lack of balance, there's no hope. I can't even ride a bike, like, let alone be on roller skates. But yeah, no, he is, he's doing his thing. And I just love how the universe, like, threw him this massive curveball. And he was like, I mean, obviously mad about it for a little bit, but then just went, like, you know what? I'm just going to do something completely different and excel at it because the sky's the limit, I guess, for some people. I don't actually, these people that are good at everything kind of annoy me because I'm like only good at golf, like when it comes to like athletics, like I run almost every day and the only thing I do is get slower. So so these people that are just athletes and whatever they pick up, they're gonna be great at, bit annoying. Yeah, I mean, come on, you you were what, a bio, biochemist turned golfer or vice versa. So that's pretty impressive too. But it's not, like, you don't have to be athletic to be a biochemist. You have to try and be smart True. or, like, I think that's, that's think. obviously a lot harder. Uh, Anyone can go out and run And then uh, the final question is just about your goals. So what goals do you have, not necessarily for this season, but for, for the future? So my biggest career goal is to be an Olympian. It just, I don't know, I just think the Olympics are like a celebration of like competitive sports and just being part of that event, uh, just one of my life dreams. I know that in golf, like it's not as like much regarded as major championships, but like for me, it matters. Like it really matters. Obviously, the fact that it's just once every four years, like it makes it all the harder to be part of that. Um, so that's definitely a big one for me. Threw myself some curveballs for 24. <laughs> I was on a good track last year and I was like, nah, you know what? Mm, who wants to go to Paris anyway? That's kind of, uh, no, just kidding. Um, who knows? Uh, but I'll definitely uh, try my best to turn that back around for me, but we'll see. I mean, in general, in golf, I really just want to try and see how far I can take it. Like, cause that's the interesting thing about golf. Like you want to, like, you're just trying to get better like you're really competing against yourself or like as a golfer like against the golf course but like as yourself like how you're competing and I would really like to see how much potential there is in me yeah in life I mostly chase fulfillment if that makes sense like so right now this journey on the golf course does fulfill me and once I feel like it doesn't anymore for whatever reason one way or another I would very much like to go out and look for something else that gives me that that would be the case but we'll see time will tell time will tell absolutely i think that's a good good end note to leave it on leo it's been god can you imagine we've done 90 minutes of chatting on here this is a record you've, even, you've, you've done I it i think we did longer this is actually this is yeah this you have beaten the record yeah. now setting the standard but yeah that was a lovely a lovely note to end on and yeah we wish you luck this week in germany and we wish you luck for the rest of the season thank you thanks guys no worries so yeah thanks for joining us guys on this episode of the let golf podcast you know the drill give us a follow on socials at let golf and we'll see you next week bye-bye it's a competition clinching shot the let golf podcast the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.